Our passage this morning is familiar to many of us. It's out of uh, the prophet Ezekiel's writing. It's chapter one, or chapter thirty-seven, verses one through fourteen. The hand of the Lord was on me, and He brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley, and it was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you, and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you. You will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked, and tendons of flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, Prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to it, This is what the sovereign Lord says, Come, breath, from the four winds, and breathe into these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. They say, Our bones are dried up and our hope is gone, we are cut off. Therefore prophesy to them and say, This is what the Sovereign Lord says, My people, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from them. I will put my spirit in you if you will live. And I will sell you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken, and I have done it, declares the Lord. This is the word of God for our people. Thanks to you, God. So you're probably familiar with the story of Moby Dick, right? You may have heard of it at some point or, or read it in school. Uh, in fact, if you've never read it, you know the story. It's been made in the movies and that kind of thing. And Captain Ahab goes in search of this great white whale and is finally killed when the whale attacks and destroys his ship. The thing about this, that story, though, is that it comes from uh, a true story of a ship called the Essex in 1820 that was sailing in the South Pacific. In fact, it's a, there's a movie out right now called In the Heart of the Sea by Ron Howard that speaks to that story, the story behind Moby Dick. Just like the ship in Moby Dick, the Essex was ran by a whale as it sank. The captain and crew abandoned the uh, ship, climbed into three whale boats. There were, those are 25-foot vessels, the rowboats that they would use to chase and kill whales. But now they would be used to carry these guys for 90 plus days and over 3,000 miles to the coast of South America. It's hard to, to even understand the torment and the agony that that would be. Constantly on the water, constantly exposed to the element, not having supplies, don't have food, don't have much water, dying of thirst. The first mate that gentleman named Ellen Chase, he said he put it this way. He said, The privation of water, the lack of water, is justly ranked among the most dreadful of the miseries of our life. The violence of raging thirst has no parallel in the catalog of human calamity. And then on the twenty-third day he adds this. He said, Our thirst has become now incessantly more intolerable than our hunger. And the quantity that I've been allowed half a pint per day was barely sufficient to keep the mouth in a state of moisture for about a third of the time. In vain, with every expedient tried to relieve the raging fever of the throat, 
our suffering during these things almost exceeded human belief. Lack of water, that, that, that dryness that comes. They experience that literally, but how many of us experience that in our lives? Dryness. Now in the end, these guys made it, or many of them did, not all of them. And they, so they were once hopeless, but through perseverance they experienced hope. And a few weeks ago, I told the story of Mother Teresa and, and how she was compelled to, uh, she had a vision of God that said to go and, and work with the poor in the slums of Calcutta. And Mother Teresa was not equipped in ability to do that. She wasn't medically uh, equipped to do that. She certainly didn't have funding to do that as a nun. Uh, but she obeyed God and went and brought hope with her to that place. And Ezekiel's encounter with God shows that there, there's hope in some of the most extreme and hopeless of situations. Israel, dispersed, driven into exile, no hope of having their land, really. They were, they were <clears throat> scattered throughout, throughout the area. And the church in our world today can sometimes seem like that pile of dry bones, right? As we get tired. But the world is ripe with possibilities for new life. See, this, this passage is not, we, we, we talk about the dry bones, but it's really about new life. It's about a coming to life. How God tapped Ezekiel to participate with him in the restoration of life to those bones. And catch that, because that's critical. God could have just done it, right? But he didn't. He tapped on Ezekiel. And Ezekiel, with God, brought new life to those dead bones. And we have a choice today. See, we can believe that new life can come, or we can choose not to believe. See, sometimes we get so lost in our own vision of things and, and, and discouraged by all the problems that are in our life or what's going on can seem so overwhelming that we forget the power of God himself. Think about this. What would happen if life is detailed we start to grab hold of the hope that comes from Christ. If, if we really believe that God can change everything, that, that if we would encourage one another, that if we sought ways to, to help one another to fulfill what God has called you to do and me to do in, in this place, in this church, in this world. What if those who come, those, those ones who are not really involved, involved that much, what if they caught fire, fire for the Lord? What if the Spirit of God moved into them and they start making a difference? In, in their lives and the lives of those around them. What about those who, who come or about to experience Christmas Eve service? There's going to be some folks that that's one of the few services they come to. What if they caught fire for Christ? What if, what if Jesus changed everything in their life and they grabbed hold of the power of God and God moved in them and nothing was the same ever again? And what if you had a role to play in that? What if, what if your encouragement, what if you saw what was going that was good and you focused on that? What's right instead of what's wrong? Believe what can be instead of what, what we don't think can be. What would happen in this place? What would happen in this world? If we saw as God sees, if we recognize the power of God and what it can do, because they have done it in most of our lives. God is powerful. God is powerful. 
Thing is, though, without the power of God, it's just busyness, right? Just us trying to do it all on ourselves, and what invariably happens is we get tired. And that's not the path to new life, that's the path to death. Death of mystery, death of, death, death of our calling. And how many of us find ourselves surrounded by church folks, good folks, who are exhausted and parched and dry from their experiences in the church? I know this happens. It's happened everywhere that I've been. And it's happened to me. And I've heard these words, I've done my time. Trying for someone else to do it. Those are the words of someone who's tired, who's exhausted, and parched, needing a drink of water, needing that living water that comes from God, needing the touch of God, the touch of the Spirit that brings new life. See, we all want new life. We all want new life to, to help move us forward. We all get tired on our, in our ministry journey at different times. We all do. I have. I do. But I also know that God with us is God with me during those times. And he's God with you too. God with us. He's, he's present in, in our lives during those times. He is able when I'm not. He's able when you're not. He can do this. And I hope this morning you're not hearing a message of condemnation because it's not about that. It's about hope. See, we all need to step away and rest at different times. Be still and know that I am God, right? We all need to take moments in, in our journey. And it's why, and, and we're, as Don mentioned, some folks here who are going to step out of the leadership role for, for a year, not out of ministry per se, because God's call continues, but out of that, the responsibility of that leadership role, because it wears on you. It can wear you out, it can dis dis make you disenchanted with the church. That uh, is actually, you're only supposed to serve three years and then get a year off. That's the way it's supposed to be. I'm sorry, guys. I know some of you have been serving a long, 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 long time. But there's a reason for that. We need rest. We need to be able to spend time. Jesus pulled away from God and Eric, pulled away from the disciples to win and spend time with God. We all need to do that in our lives. But I guess my one caution <coughs> is to be careful that we don't pull the plug in our ministry permanently when what we really need is a time of rest. A friend of mine, his name's David at Sugarloaf, he, uh, he'd been going to Sugarloaf for five years before I met him. See, he came from another church and he was beat up and wore out and they were filled with conflict and just all kinds of stuff going on. And he went to Sugarloaf and he sat in the back. He wanted to be, needed to be in, in a congregation, but he was beat up. And he didn't have it in him to continue to, to work forward. And then he, after five years, he worked his way. He managed to come in in the Sunday school class that, that I led. I got to know David, and we started violating in prayer group. As he started seeing the Spirit of God tapped him on the shoulder and said, Okay, David, it's time. Time to come back. Time to re-engage. Time to be part of this. And now David is very active. He, he serves at a mission, mission field with at Fuego Vintada in New Mexico. He's making a difference in the lives of others because he returned to ministry in a strong way. And I get that we need a break, but I just hear that don't make that a permanent break. We need you. God needs you. 
God has a plan to use you for all of your life, not just part of it. As we get older, we actually gain wisdom. That's wisdom we need in our world today. Can I get an amen on that? You know, we need the wisdom that, that years bring and that experience brings. And when we back out of ministry then, and, and we stay out of it, then we can lose something that's very powerful in the body of Christ. You're important. You're important in the body of Christ. All aspects, all people who come, we all have a role to play. And he will breathe new life in, into your ministry as you seek him. You know, I often do that when you're least expected. You're like giving it up. I don't, I don't think I do this anymore. And then the breath will come. And then the mood you took his place. Think back to that first Christmas and how God acted in that place. God brought new life in the form of a very simple gift. It's the greatest gift of all time, but it was. A baby. A baby in a feeding trough. Because in case you didn't know, that's what a manger is. A baby in a feeding trough. No fanfare other than, than with the shepherds. And, and no political, religious, uh, extraordinary things that, that happened that, that would let you think that this was uh, something other than a carpenter's son. A few people knew, but it wasn't worldwide by any stretch. The rest of the world was waiting for that. They wanted someone to come and, and, and relieve them from the oppression of the Romans. They wanted a, a, a political force, someone with military might. God said, they got to swaddle them for the back of the lying in manger. To save the world. To save you and me. See, God sees the dry bones in all of us. So we all have dryness in us. We need God's Spirit breathed into us and into the church. Into the big C church. God's Spirit breathing into us. And Advent is the perfect time to start. Advent is the perfect time. It's about new life. New starts. God empowers us to use the gifts that He's given for His glory, for His kingdom purposes. God doesn't want us to waste that. And He'll use every single gift in this place in powerful ways. He wants you to have life and have it to the full. John 10 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life. And have it to the full. That's God's plan for you, by the way. To have life and have it to the full. But there's a thief that's trying to take that from you in a way. Proverbs 18 21, one of the things that gets us in trouble sometimes, the time has the power of life and death. And those who love it will eat its fruit. Which takes me back to what if we became a place of encouragement? as our primary, primary thing. Build one another up in the name of Christ. Catch somebody doing something good and thank them for it and praise God for them in it. The tongue is powerful. It can build 
build up for it and tear down. Maybe all of the things about the building up for it. Ran across this during my study this week. I wanted to close with it. The church that has passion is the church where discouraged folks cheer up, dishonest folks fess up, sour folks sweeten up, closed folks open up, gossipers shut up, conflicted folks make up, sleeping folks wake up, lukewarm folks fire up, dry bones shake up, and few potatoes stand up. But most of all, Christ the Savior of the entire world is living up. And folks friends be that kind of church where we're lifting up the name of Christ, building one another up in His name, and living that out fully. There's where new life will come from. That's when those dry bones are going to come together and live that and, and not just inside the walls, but outside the walls. The people that we come in contact with are going to go, what is different about those guys? And the answer is Jesus Christ lives in me. We gotta go. We gotta tell it on the mountain. Is that what we're gonna do? Let's go tell it on the mountain.